0: what would it look like to claim your space as a leader and make a positive impact in your organization or community get ready to lead courageously and authentically from the core of who you are your leadership coach dr Kristen albert will help you recognize how you are uniquely gifted to lead in your spheres of influence and help you become equipped and confident to handle the challenges of leadership Take your leadership to the next level and create your turning points in leadership. Let's get started. Here's Chris.
1: Hello and welcome to Turning Points in Leadership. I am Dr. Kristen Albert, and I'm thrilled that you joined us today. In my Turning Points in Leadership podcast, I interview individuals who are changing the image of a leader, having to be someone at the top of the corporate ladder or holding a title of privilege to be able to make a difference. Instead, my guests are leading change in bold and inspiring ways, and I want you, my listeners, to be inspired by them and to consider how you can become a catalyst for change in your sphere of influence. So today, I want to welcome my guest, Stephen Fackenthal. Steve is the general music teacher at Ritchie Elementary in the Red Clay Consolidated School District in Wilmington, Delaware, and the president of the Red Clay Education Association. He will be starting his 16th year of teaching in just a couple of months. Steve and I have known each other for close to 20 years, which I find amazingly hard to believe. Steve (laughs) was a music education student at Westchester University of Pennsylvania when I was there as an associate professor and chair of the music education department. I had the pleasure of working with Steve as his student teaching supervisor, and I vividly remember observing his work with the students. And imagining the impact that he would create as a classroom leader and in the future of education. And so I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to catch up with Steve today since our paths diverged about 16 years ago. I've observed Steve's work from afar through social media, and I've really come to admire the ways he has stepped into advocacy work for teachers and students. So, Steve, thanks for being a guest on the Turning Points in Leadership podcast. Great to have you here. (laughs)
2: Thank you for having me, Kristen.
1: I'm so glad you're here. Could you share with our listeners a bit about your path to leadership beyond the classroom? What you've been up to, specifically, maybe in your role as a lead advocate for teachers and students in Red Clay?
2: Yeah, so um, I've always been a part of my union as soon as I was able to, uh, you know, join. 16 years ago, I did. But it's funny, you know, when you're a new teacher. And we go through new hire the, the our union has a presentation and it's kind of like, oh, you should join this. So you don't really know what you're joining, but, you know, they just ask you to join. It's going to be good for you. And actually, at the time I had missed I had missed new hire because I was hired late. But I got I was able to get in uh, later and I was just kind of just doing my thing in education, and teaching music. And my a good friend of mine, Mike Matthews, had asked me to attend a school board meeting for the first time. I was like, oh, all right, that sounds fun. And it was funny. There was there was raucous from the audience because it was right after the school board election at the time, and people were saying, "Get down your, take down your signs and everything." I was like, "Oh, this seems like a fun thing to be a part of." Um, <laughs> I was invited. You know, I I became a building representative, which is you know that representative of that building for uh, for the executive board, and um, you know, I I, tr- I talked to folks in my building. And from there, I became the CF, the Community Finance Review Committee chair uh, of my executive board. I was just, I was asked, you know, a lot of what we do is asking people because if you don't ask them, they don't, they don't know their potential. They don't know what they're able to do. So as leaders, you know, you know, we ask folks to take a step. I ran for vice president after that. And, you know, till my time here as uh, president, I actually ran for president a few years ago and I lost. Uh, but that was okay because I think it was the universe telling me that I just need more time to uh, develop in regards to how I'm leading it. um, We have to ask folks to be a part of it. You know, Um, I try to lead it by meeting folks who are, you know, I'm really, I try to have that two way conversation, that two way communication with my members, whether it be social media, newsletters, emails, you know, once a week, twice a week, uh, just to try to get them involved. I try to meet folks where they are. So I'll go to, I'll do building visits or either in person or via zoom. I try to get to school early where I'll get emails, you know, from folks. Hey, when can I email you? When can we talk? I remember there's been a few times this year where I've spent, you know, an hour on the phone call with a member and just talking about what's going on in their world. A lot of the times, you know, especially for educators, They just want to go in there, do their jobs. They want to go in, they want to teach. They want to go home to their personal lives, their families, their friends, however they do that. But unfortunately, as I share with my folks, uh, education is political and, you know, we have to be able to step out and, you know, advocate because, you know, it may not be you this year, you know, with the 16 IEPs or the MLL students, multi-language learners, but it could be you another time. I know I totally diverged from your initial question. So, you know, my apologies for that.
1: Not at all. I love the insights. Just a couple of things that really jumped out at me, that importance of asking folks. The ask. The ask. You know, many people might remember the the movie. It was back, I think it was in the 90s. It might've been in the 2000s called Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. Mm -hmm. And they always said, you know, if you build it, they will come. Right. And you know, that only happens in the movies. People don't just come out just because they're moved to do it. It is um, in that ask. Uh, it is in that learning how to ask folks and to engage them in conversations, like you said, yeah. and to build those relationships, um, which are such critical skills for leaders. So
2: they're absolutely, they're absolutely critical, you know, whether it be one-on-one or just giving them that information so they know you're there, you know, if they need something. As you know, we're in a, we're in a crisis, folks are leaving. And maybe if we were as leaders able to engage more and worry and, you know, try to meet them where they were and try to build them up, you know, maybe we'd have less of that but, you know, as in my role as, as president of RCA, you know, I've really tried to make a point of meeting folks where they are. It's, it's not it's just it's not enough to say, why don't you know this? You should know this. You know, uh, we need to just meet them where they are. We need to meet them where they are and find why they continue to do it, because, you know, they may not be. Those first five years of teaching, folks are, you know, exiting quick. So, you know, we need to meet them where they are and continue to engage and do the hard work. And that's what they expect of us, you know, and hopefully in that in those communications, uh, we find those next generation of leaders. And-
1: mm-hmm. No, thank you for bringing that up. Got, e- even at this early part in our conversation, um, you've really nailed a critical learning piece for leaders. So thank you for that. So if it's OK with you, Steve, I'd like to jump into some of the questions that I sent your way. Um, these sure. are. These are questions that I ask everybody on the podcast because I find it fascinating that every person who I interview, and this is a reminder to all of us, that we all have different experiences. We come from from different experiences, life experiences, uh, education, and as unique individuals, we see things through different lenses. And so what I'm fascinated about when I talk to folks about leadership is how unique everybody's story is. So, if it's yeah. okay with you, we'll jump into some of these questions. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm really curious about your earliest memories of leading or leadership. What do you remember?
2: Well, as we, as I shared with you pre, you know, interview, I, I never really saw myself as it. You know, I, I did Westchester, and I was just thought music education. You know, even before that, growing up. You know, looking back at it, you know, I had very privileged life. I went to what grew up in Wallingford Swarthmore School District, you know, one of the top-notch districts in the in the state. Uh, you know, we had a pool in our backyard. So, you know, everything was always hunky dory as a kid. Um, so I never I obviously looking back very privileged. So I never really thought of my influence as a as a as a person. You know, you just kind of go along seeing through high school, you know, Westchester came about and I thought, you know, that this is it. This is going to be what I wanted to do. And then after, you know, I got my job in red clay, I started looking around and I was, uh, my first job was at Richardson Park Elementary, which is Title I school, a large uh, African-American, Hispanic population. And I realized, whoa, this is definitely different from, you know, from where I student taught or where I did methods, you know, lessons or anything like that. And I also realized the hard work that the educators in that building were putting in, the time they'd put in there, be teachers there until six o'clock. 6 30 at night, and you know, just trying to prepare for the next day because our students need it so much. And I would just think, shouldn't we have a system that makes this better? Shouldn't our whether it be federal at, the federal at the federal level, at the state level, just the system should be better? Why are we doing this? Why are the folks I work with giving up so much time? for students and for kids that aren't their own, but, you know, as teachers, they become our own. So that really started, that really, that questions really started to incubate in my, in my, uh, in my brain. And actually, you know, thinking back on this question, thinking back on this question at Westchester, uh, you know, I was part of FAMU Alpha. I was a fraternal education officer, which kind of led probationary members. We called them pledges of now they're called probationary members. So I did some leading in that way. But even that, I didn't think about myself as a leader. Um, but it really wasn't until I got to Richardson Park. My friend Mike Matthews invited me to a school board meeting. Uh, I became a building representative and even then, there were all these people up on the, you know, the table to the front of the Delaware State Education Office where we would have our meetings I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I just thought of myself as a peon, you know, just sitting in the back. I was asked by the president at the time to sit on the executive board as the Community Finance Review Committee chair. I thought, all right, that's cool. And there were all these people who were still like the leaders. Um, so I just was still kind of a backstage bench player. you the one of the questions uh, that you ask later regarding um you know changes uh but I can just touch on it now I was actually uh accused of hitting a kid uh, during my time um that kind of it sank me professionally for a bit but it also hardened my resolve I think as a leader I was like because I I obviously. I wasn't the first person to ever go through this. I'm never I'm not going to be the last. But like what do we have to help our educators to that do go through this? So it kind of defined my resolve that I want to be that leader for folks because at that point I didn't I didn't care. I cared but I cared that I need to speak up. This is this shouldn't be happening. We have folks that are voiceless and I'm not scared anymore. You know, I've kind of been thrown through the ringer um, but I'm back on the other side and I'm better, and this is my path forward. This is a path that I want to follow and help others. So this doesn't ha- this doesn't happen to other folks. And if we're able to advocate and you know, we make changes for our students, which in turn is better for our educators.
1: Mm-hmm. It intrigues me how how you didn't see yourself as a leader, but you were seeing a need for a better system. You yeah. were seeing, and you were seeing teachers that needed advocates because you had gone through it. It was almost like maybe did you feel bulletproof? Like what? What's the I, word I, word? I
2: know that's exactly what it was. I felt bulletproof. I've been knocked down, so here I am, and I still enjoy. I I, I love the music education. I love the teaching, and I kind of talked about, You know, one of my things is if they're able to just be empathetic and care. You know, I, I've I've done a good job, but. Part of my, uh, a lot of my focus has turned towards the advocacy and, and the unionism because there are so many folks who don't know how to, and we need to help them. We need to help them do that. And mm-hmm. I think I've done it. I think I've done a nice job. I think I've made inroads in helping our folks find a voice. So I've been proud of that work.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. As you should be. When you were talking about, um, you know, getting knocked down and getting up again, I thought of the song. I yep. get knocked down yeah. and up again. You're never going to keep me down. Who sings that? You know, I don't even remember. It's
2: that Ch- uh, Chumbawamba.
1: Chumbawamba, there you yeah, go. What a name. <laughs> well, I thought two musicians can bond over, you know, can bond over. Yes. Them. But yeah, that's a really good point. And so I'm curious because you talked about this privileged upbe- upbringing, you and I both being adults who are white of European descent having everything we needed growing up and, and more, right. Um, In what way did your family or your cultural influences or community shape how you view leadership?
2: I mean, my mom, uh, my mom was an actress. So she was always singing throughout the house, uh, opera. opera. I remember her always singing the songs from nonsense because she like tapping off the Buffalo, wherever the song is from that musical um i did acting as a kid i was in you know shows from seventh grade through you know high school i did some uh at newman college the through in high school but so i guess in that respect i kind of leaded in a way and you know part of that was my mom someone would say had a loud voice so maybe perhaps there was that influence but you know not one in my family was a union person you know my dad. Uh, my dad was a, a, a VP of boss cause at one of their departments till they shut down. My mom was a registered nurse who did well, mom, well, baby visits, but like unionism or, or advocacy or that type, it was not something that I really grew up learning about um, or anything, but I guess, you know, in, in a way, the, the acting, you know, just being on stage and having a spotlight on, you know, that kind of thing wasn't new to me. Like, I'll get in front of a microphone. You know, there's so many people who are scared to speak in public. Like, I don't I love to speak in public. I don't care. I may not always sound the brightest if it's not on paper, because I like to usually prepare my comments and things for public comment board meetings. But, um, you know, that has something that I've never shied away from. I was at a conference for the National Education Association uh, conference representing my local and my state, the Delaware State Education Association. And we're in our caucus room and people are, you know, our president would ask a question and she's like, I need you to speak up. I'm like, we're all teachers. Shouldn't we be able to project that voice? It was just fun. It was just funny. But, um, yeah, I never shied away from a microphone. I never needed to. I never felt nerves about speaking in front of people. So I guess, you yeah. know, early that kind of thing influenced me and helped me.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but seeing, I'm sure seeing your mother, her presence on the stage, right? There's a confidence, there's a presence.
2: Yeah.
1: So, you know, it might not have been explicit, but you were observing what it yeah. meant to be courageous and authentic and on the stage. And then yeah. as a musician and then as a music educator, right? Yeah. So the musician gets used to. Right, being in
2: front of people, yeah, exactly. exactly. Taking credit, taking criticism, yeah.
1: And then, as a music educator, when you have your performing ensembles in the group, you're now the front, the front man, right? And so you're speaking to the audience. So I really believe in the power of the arts to bring this presence up, create, help help individuals create this leadership presence.
2: Yeah, Uh, it's very true. I would agree to that, definitely.
1: Yeah, Um, I really resonate with, with, you know, that being that confidence of being on stage. And I know that comes from, from being a musician. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. As you look around at the people, you know, the people that you're working with and the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, what do you want to invite them to think about or explore when it comes to leadership?
2: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, So I said I started off uh, as a building rep at Richardson Park, and I would notice, you know, these folks working hard. And I would also think, why don't they say anything, you know, why, why, like we would talk and they would say stuff with me. But I'm thinking, what do we, I don't want to use the word afraid because I don't know if people are afraid, but perhaps just timid about or, or whatever, uncomfortable about. So I I guess I would share with your your listeners, I think, you know, how do they talk with their how do they talk with their peers? What are their peers saying? How their supervisors treat them? In my case, administrators. I'll talk to some educators and they'll say, Oh, my principal did this or called me out in a faculty meeting or rolled their eyes at me or, or gave me a, a rude comment, or, you know, an off the cuff comment. And I'm thinking, Why would you accept that? Like, why don't you call them out about it? So I, I think one of the things I would ask, I would share with your listeners, see how folks, especially in my case, and maybe their case administrators, how their supervisors treat them. You know, if their supervisors treat them with empathy and respect and um, are able to take reflective feedback, right? Because as, as leaders, we're supposed to be able to take that feedback. If they accept that, if they accept feedback, then I'd say that's a great leader and, you know, you're able to trust them and you're, they're able, you're able to accept that feedback from them. But given offhand comments or seem to be timid about, you know, any pushback, then, you know, I think it is, maybe you need to, maybe you can be at voice for for that. Maybe you can say, why are you doing this to me? Or why did you, I'm just trying to make everyone, I'm trying to make this better for all, right? Because our jobs here in my care are for the students or, and if we treat our educators poorly, then they're just going to leave because that's what they're doing. So why, do? what's going on here? I think that would be what I would ask, you know, how do they treat people? Because how they're going to treat people is what's going to make folks stay.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to kind of piggyback on that, how we let other people treat us. I mean, we invite, we we kind of get what we get if we don't have a conversation about it. And I don't like the word front. I don't think it needs to be a confrontational. Why did you do that? Why did you say that
0: to me? It right. doesn't
1: have to be confrontational, but to your point, that need to be able to to create courageously.
2: Courageous conversations.
1: Yeah. Courageous yeah. conversations authentically speak from your heart. And I think there are folks that believe that if they speak up, that they're just being negative or they're not yeah. gonna be heard or correct.
2: You know, um I've told my members, I tell my rep count, I've put an email, you know, conflict isn't bad. You know, if if there's a issue, you know, you, you can talk about it, put it out into the open. There's no point in not in speaking around the elephant. If their response seems off kilter, or they seem to go off the rails, and that's not a reflection on you. That's on them. I, I want folks to tell me if I am If they need something more from me, or or maybe I didn't give them enough information on something, you know, that's how we become better.
1: I was looking up the definition of conflict here while you were talking because I wanted to see if it if in the definition it had it was negative. Mm -hmm. Is it and it's a perception really of the negativity? A conflict is a struggle or a clash of interest, opinion, or even principles. Conflict will always be found in in society, as the basis of conflict may vary to be personal, racial, class, caste, political, international, and so on. It's our it's the perception that we bring to it that it is negative, and it doesn't have to be.
2: It doesn't have to be, and you know, for in my role, especially at our elementary level, a large majority are, are are female. You know, and you know, we when we have a a group dominated by females who may have been grown up. Oh, we we listen, you have to do what, what you're told. And, you know, and your and your administrator may be, maybe a male. It's like, you know, there's a power dynamic and, you know, not all, but I I would say a majority, maybe not just don't feel comfortable speaking up about that. But when we don't speak up, we, we keep it all. And then we go to things like um, fake positivity or whatever. There's that term. I, I forget what the exact term is. But then you know, people leave. Um, and I know for me, my viewpoint with you, I'm strictly speaking, as that, you know, from the education point, obviously this doesn't probably doesn't uh go to all avenues.
1: Actually, I think it does. I think um good leadership and positive interaction and problem solving and conflict resolution that spans across everything from families to organizations in education, in healthcare, in politics, in, you know, society, in government, in, uh, you know, we could go on and on. One of my leadership declarations for myself that helps me to have those difficult conversations is this, and this, I can't, this is about seven years ago, this came up in one of my, I came out with this in one of my morning journaling, these seven leadership declarations just kind of, Came out of the writing and they fascinated me. But one of them was that I will never allow someone to treat me with disrespect or unkindly or another person. So when I see someone exerting their power in a way that is unkind, unnecessary, so I've kind of empowered myself. I've decided that these leadership declarations, so yeah, that need to be to know that. You have the ability and the responsibility to speak. Mm -hmm. Truth, and I,
2: I, and I've said to folks, you know, whether you don't feel comfortable, you know, go to your go with your building rep, you know, go with that person that can help you if you don't feel comfortable doing face to face. And then you know, we'll get there. I'll get there. Well, you know, I'm afraid of. uh, repercussions, anything like that. You know what? Then we're going to grieve them, right? Document it. Then we'll take, then, then I'm going to bring it to our superintendent and we're going to talk about it there. And no, they don't want that. So, you know, there, there are those avenues, but it's just, you know, it's work. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard work.
1: To, it's hard work. Uh, well,
2: it's hard work yeah.
1: Leading is hard work. Leadership it's is hard, hard work. work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that invitation. I think that's just sage, sage wisdom there. So each month we in the, I have a turning points leaders community and Mm -hmm. each month in that community, we explore a theme around leadership. And this month we've been focusing on the concept of navigating big personal decisions and personal change. Yeah. For instance, how does one go about making decisions that have a big impact on their life and their work? Uh, Could be a desired change, could be a forced change be in response to something that that is a, a has broken down that's emergent i'd love to hear from you what comes to your mind or resonates with you about this idea
2: well i think we all know everyone knows change is hard right whatever whatever it is whether a career starting a new sorry a new degree program whatever it's changes hard mm-hmm. because you know as humans we're creatures of habit and we want to do what's comfortable but you know life is not comfortable unfortunately and you know we got to step out of our our shell and i think for me especially on the forced change as i alluded to Mm -hmm. earlier i you know i spent i i loved it i loved richardson park i i was there for nine years and the first uh the first six years were were fabulous i had uh i actually had a method i had a student teacher from westchester I Actually, had two student teachers from Westchester that semester. That horrible, that horrible uh, uh, <laughs> semester. They wow. weren't. They were great. And we were. They, uh, the student teacher was teaching, and they had given an instruction. And this one student wasn't um, wasn't responding. So I just I just had went over, and I was like, you know, come on. I put my I put my arm around their shoulder, and like tried to like come on. We we're, we're, we gotta just go this way. Don't touch me. I'm like, all right. I just need you to do what I just need to do what's being asked you're she's there up they're up there I just need to do what's being asked later on I get a uh the principal comes up you know so and so said you hit them on like what and um everything just kind of melted from me I was like okay mm. but with you know going back to leaders we also had a different administrator that time because the previous administrator was there who I had a great relationship with for because They were there for five years and they actually gone off on for surgery. So this new person come in. Well, actually, let me preface that because I think there was some uh, methods behind why she didn't defend me. This, the previous administration was great. Open door policy, wasn't afraid to have a conversation, may not agree with what you share, right? Because that's part of that reflection of a leader, like being able to take that criticism and or feedback and just be able to listen. So as soon as this other person come in, Uh, I had went with the other building rep at the time, and we actually had written a letter and we got about 70% of the staff to sign it pretty much saying, we appreciate you being here. I just want to be up. I'm going to be attending the next board meeting. I'm reading this letter that about, you know, to the board. So a public setting that we want this person back. I don't think she took kindly to that because this person was, in my opinion, was very insecure about her role. So I think that was you know part of there was already a a spot on on you know my record in her eyes because I was that I did that. So you know, the whole like, accusation happened, and I just kind of I was like, what am I going to do? I think I started looking at degree programs. I think I started looking at other jobs. But I you know I, I kept I kept I kept the faith uh, and I went through you know grievances and all this stuff. And my Uniserve director was my advocate. Uh, My union was my advocate. I spent like two more years there. And then actually I VT'd. I was involuntarily transferred to uh, to my current role of Richie. So I didn't actually have a that was the forced. That was the forced change change. Uh, going to my uh, going to my new role where I was traveling strings. So I was at four schools. I was at Richie three days a week and I did two half days, half days in the morning, half day in the afternoon at four schools. So that was just, you know, I went from this general music role where I had everything down, you know, everything was ready to go. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to learn strings.
1: So for just, you're up for just a second.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah.
1: No, no. When you say strings, for our listeners, I know what you're talking about, teaching strings. Could you, for anybody that doesn't have a a music background, tell them what you meant? So
2: I taught I was doing violin, viola, cello for uh, fourth and fifth graders, beginning beginning uh, violin, viola, cello lessons. Most of the students uh, always choose violin, but yeah. So I played up through high school. So I mean, I had the background in it, so that was fine. But I'm not a very organized person sometimes. So going from one thing to oh gosh, I have to do four. <laughs> I'm doing uh, a whole different thing at four schools. Uh, it was a big big change and again i thought that i had built good relationships at my previous workplace where i guess i may not have or thought as well as i as well as i did um
1: so this was an an involuntary
2: transfer transfer Meaning the district forced it, so it wasn't on my end that I initiated. They initiated it, but you know I accepted it because it was an opening, and actually it was probably a uh, it, it became a blessing in disguise. Obviously, you know, at the time a former Westchester grad was was there, then they went up to the middle school, which left that open. Uh, so I thought, well, I guess that's what I'm doing, and actually it was great because that's where I met my future wife at the time, or yeah. would be my future wife. I know to get back to your question it took faith it took uh belief not just with myself but that the union that i've paid dues for that i've believed in i always i always believed in but kind of came rca dsda this is my jam this is this is my path and this is why this is why i want to add help advocate for And help others to advocate for themselves through this means, because without it, I would just, you know, if I was a charter school or in a right to work state, you know, I just, you're, you're, you're done. There's no teacher voice there. There's no backing.
1: Yeah. So to summarize, you know, change is hard. Especially Change is when, hard, especially when it's a force. That was a
2: whole elongated response, so you yeah. know. Hopefully, that's all right.
1: It was great. It was great because I loved hearing your story. Right, it personalizes it. You went through the fire mm-hmm. and came out. And as you came out of it, you came out of it with faith in yourself. You said you had belief in your advocates in the in the union, and you managed it, and you've used it to inform the values that you bring to your position as a leader for the association. So yeah, yeah, we go through these things, as you said, the universe conspired it, you know, earlier on you talked about the universe conspiring. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, some of these things, we don't know why we're going through them, but when we look back over them, we, we start to see. So thank you for sharing that. Um, That's thank
2: you for the question.
1: Yeah. Being willing to, that's a, vulnerability
2: to you know speak as a side note I always imagine so we always do these new hire orientations you know with the the new teacher week you know we have two hours of breakfast to talk to those new hires hopefully to get them to you know join up and I just imagine someone someone raising their hands I'm never going to need this nothing's ever going to happen to me and me just saying well I said the same thing until it did and I was really happy that I've always been a part of this and i would yeah. encourage you to some some type of remote. wow i would get 100% you know sign on rate or something
1: absolutely <laughs> your 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 story is powerful so thank you for sharing that so as i was alluding to you know this experience has helped to inform you know how who you are as a leader and, and how you lead so and that kind of goes hand in hand with my next question i'm wondering if there is A guiding uh, a value or a guiding principle that informs everything that you do, that is infused in everything that Steve Fackenthal touches, everything that you believe, and that informs your how you approach leadership. That's a
2: great question, and I think I, I think the guiding, not necessarily a principle, but is it timely? Is it relevant? Will it make a change for that member? So just an example, I'll get questions. I'll get the questions like, well, I missed my planning because of an IEP meeting. Well, you get 225 minutes of planning. You get that time back. It doesn't matter how it happens. So you need to engage with that principle. Are you going to come in late? Are you going to come in early? Are you going, are you going to come in late? Are you going to be able to leave early? Or is someone going to come in and cover you for that time? So I always try to make sure I put that relevant information of, I know it's simplistic based off what your question was, but I get 225. I didn't get 225. How, what can I do? How do I get that time back? And I think it's making sure our, I, I try to make sure our members have the tools and have the information to back them up when they need it, whether it's as simple as a planning period or as complex as they have a forty-eight hour meeting and because something happened in their classroom, and they need me or whomever to come in to advocate with them. I want to make sure that the information that my that my folks have is is relevant to what they do. is It's timely and it's digestible. You know, they're able to absorb it and and use it when where whenever wherever they may need.
1: Yeah, that that relevance. I love that. <laughs> Is it timely? Is it relevant? Will it serve the member? Is it digestible? Mm-hmm. And giving them tools to be able to negotiate for themselves, to advocate for themselves.
2: And if not, you know, also recognize the guiding principle is, is that reflective piece, you know, maybe, maybe it isn't. So recognizing that, you know, I need to adjust, I may need to adjust something. I have a lot of members who I don't have a work email address for. So when I do, like we have a system and I do a a, a work email of uh, an email to all members, you know, I don't have email addresses for some of them. So another one is how am I getting, how do I get them that information when I don't have it, you know, working with them, working with our building reps so that that information can reach as many folks as possible.
1: hmm hmm So I'm wondering if you have any favorite leadership quotes.
2: Um, I'm really going to butcher this, but um, <laughs> so there is a, a, an organ uh, an organizer by the name of Michael Geekin. He he wrote a book going public. He's from New York City, and he's helped you know Democratic Party up there. There's like it's a two parter, but one pretty one is we shouldn't do for others what they can do for themselves.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: You know. I'll get questions about the contract The contract is on the district website. It's searchable. You just to control, find whatever you want, you know? The other part of that is we need to ask them to be players. We need to ask them to step out and be a part of this. And he just, he wrote it so much better. Obviously the way he phrases so much better, but I think those two, those two things, and maybe they're also part of that guiding principle as well. I want folks to be able to have the information and be able to do that on their own. But I also we also have to ask them to to be a part of it. We yeah. also have to ask them to step out. I have four kids with IEPs and all these minutes. OK, so are you able to talk to your principal about what extra time are you able to do to, to work on that? You know, have you thought about just sharing your story at a board meeting for the for 30 seconds, for the minute? You know, if we had 10 members, every board, every board meeting talk about just a, a snippet of their story. It's not saying that administrator is bad. It's not saying the district is not doing their part. Well, maybe it is. Who knows? But it's just sharing. So it's out there because the more voices we have, we are able to um, change and, and change is slow. It's a, it's glacier speed, but I, I believe it, it. it's possible. Mm -hmm. um and another side about this book you know he this guy i actually want to read it again you know he talks about meeting meeting people like 3 30 in the morning when they in the after their shift like at mcdonald's you know like just it's work and and we have to be able to put in we have to be able to put in that work and meet members where they are Mm -hmm. and meet folks where they are
1: yeah and say his name again michael geekin Michael Geekin, Going Public, is his book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's it's a, a great book. He's a community organizer. Is that
2: yeah? He's from book? New York City. Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll have to check that out. I'll put that in the show notes so people can can find that. Which, speaking of finding people, uh, there are going to be people that listen that are listening to this podcast that are going to want to connect with you. They're going to be inspired Ooh. by by your work. They're going to want to pick your brain, and I'm wondering if you're open to that and if so, what is the best way for people to connect with you?
2: Uh, yeah, they t- totally can contact me. So uh, I have a, my email address is just uh, s.fackenthal at gmail.
1: Yep, I'll put yeah. that. up. So have- um,
2: and I think I put it on your form, but you know, I have a Facebook just Steve Fackenthal. I'm on Twitter MusicMan52, music with a Z. Okay. But I- I'm willing to talk and talk to anyone, or you know, about what they may how I can help them or how they can be helped or just what they're going through. I, I, you know, leaders need to stick together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's also that reflective piece What one leader, what one leader does might, might be a great, might translate great for, you know, someone else. And, you know, we can all use ideas to better what we do.
1: I am so inspired by your journey and I have no reason to be proud of you, but I'm so proud of you. I mean, I can't take any, I can't take any credit. So, I have plenty of reason to be proud of you, but I I can't take any credit. But well, I well, you can take
2: some credit. You did help. You <laughs> helped a little bit.
1: Well, uh, just the leader that you've become from somebody who didn't who never saw himself as a leader. You saw a need for a for a better system. You recognized that you had the presence to be able to step up and to use your voice. And so you used that. You're advocating for others to use their voice as well. You've gone through the fire and come out on the other side and have learned from it. And you're using all of these tools and all of these experiences to inform your work as an advocate for teachers and ultimately for the kids that they teach.
2: I say to my members uh, all the time, our working conditions are our students' learning conditions. Yes. You know? uh, Yeah. Yeah. That
1: that is. Yeah. Yeah. Our working conditions are our students.
2: Learning conditions.
1: Learning conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. And that that importance of inviting people in and asking um, and encouraging, empowering them. Don't do things for others that they can do for themselves. Ask them to be a player. Invite them in. Yeah. So much wisdom here Steve. So I will put your um connecting your email, your Facebook, your Twitter in the show notes folks so you can check that out and Steve's bio will be in there as well. So any last thoughts?
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is this is a pleasure. It was a pleasure seeing seeing you. Um, you know, you are obviously you're a great inf- you're a huge influence and I always, I learned a lot when you know all those years back in college. Not all those years. It's not it hasn't been too long. Well, um, yeah. But I I appreciate being on this and you inviting me. So this is wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. It's been such a pleasure learning from you, learning with you, um, engaging in this conversation. And I just really admire the work that you are doing. And I know that Thank you. your teachers appreciate what you are doing for them. And I'm I- I'm sure the parents are appreciative too. I hope so. so. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners, I just want to say thank you to you for tuning into this month's episode of Turning Points in Leadership. I trust that you, like I am, you're walking away inspired and the importance of reflecting on your leadership, how the things that you heard today impact how you see your leadership and how you continue your leadership journey because I firmly believe that every single one of you listening, every single one of us, we are all capable of being leaders in our spheres of influence. And we are also responsible for leadership in our spheres of influence. I know it sounds corny, but we're making the world a better place. And that's that's what it's all about. And we do it through our leadership. So again, listeners, thanks for tuning in. We will look forward to next month's episode of Turning Points in Leadership. Thanks again. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to take a moment to like, share, and comment on today's episode. If you're not already a member of the Turning Points Leadership community, you can accelerate your development as a leader by joining today. You'll find the link to the community in the show notes. If you'd like to be a guest on Chris's show, send an email to turningpointsguest at liveworksatisfied.com. See you next time for more Turning Points in Leadership.